Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we have reached Mark's account of Jesus on the cross in the middle of chapter 15. To assure that we have time this week for the entire message, we're going to jump right into today's slice of the sermon, succinctly titled, The Crucifixion. Something Mark doesn't tell us, Matthew 27 mentions that at that very moment, also, many bodies of Old Testament believers in and around Jerusalem were raised at the moment that Jesus died. (laughs) And it doesn't tell us much of what they did, except that they appeared on Sunday. We're not told what they did between Friday afternoon and Sunday morning, but after Jesus arose, they went into Jerusalem and they appeared to many people. And we're not told what happened. I, I, I think the most logical conclusion would be that uh, after they appeared to many, that God probably took them directly to heaven. I don't think it would be kind of God to send them back to earth after they'd already been set free. And, and I would just There's no proof of this, but I would suspect that the appearances of those people probably played a role in preparing the hearts of some of those 3,000 who so quickly responded in faith to Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. And I bet you'd be hearing that sermon and saying, you know what? I saw my aunt and uncle right after Jesus died. I don't know. I sure like to think that's the case. Well, they crucified him. They mocked him. It was all about the fact that Jesus bore your sins. And then number four, some believed. Remember, the the constant theme through the phases of Jesus' trials and the crucifixion is this relentless mocking and, and, and ridicule. But there are delightful exceptions. Verse 39 of Mark 15. When the centurion who was right in front of him. So he he was right there for the, maybe the whole three hours. Maybe he was there to guard him. When the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, truly he said, this man was the Son of God. As he breathed his last, he said, it's finished. Father, calling him Father again. Into your hands I commit my spirit. The guy said, I get it. This is a Roman soldier. I don't think he'd been following Jesus around Galilee and seeing all that stuff. And by the way, this really stuck out to Mark. Remember how Mark begins his book? Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. (laughs) Well, here's the other bookend on that. Even a Gentile. Roman soldier says, this truly was the Son of God. So on that day, at least one Gentile was saved, along with the man on the cross who was a a, a Jew. But there were also some people who didn't come to faith that day, but they remained faithful through that day. Verses 40 and 41 There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Less, and Joseph and Salome, 
When he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him, and there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Women played a very significant role in ministering alongside Jesus and the uh, disciples and taking care of them. So there were, there were believers there. Oh, the launching pad doesn't come until the preaching of the apostles after the ascension of Jesus. But finally, before we leave Mark, I want to get Jesus into the tomb. You know the, you know the story. We'll recap it a little bit when we study the, the resurrection, when we come back to Mark. For all the, the, the terrible things that we know about the hypocrisy and the evil intentions of the Jewish council that was called the, the Sanhedrin, there were at least one or two shining exceptions. Our text mentions this man named Joseph from a place called Arimathea, and we don't even know where Arimathea is. And we know from the other Gospels that what Joseph does in our text here today, he was aided by the man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus isn't mentioned except here at the, at the take Jesus down from the cross stage. So we do know that Jesus met Nicodemus back in John chapter 3, and at that time he was called the teacher of Israel. So he almost certainly was a Pharisee who, he was a Pharisee, he was almost certainly one of the ones who was a leader among the Sanhedrin. And now we have Joseph who we know there. We don't know if Nicodemus was still on the council or not, but we know that Joseph was. So look at these last six verses. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage. Oh, well, I guess to do this. He gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time and summoning the centurion. He questioned him as to whether he was already dead. Don't you wonder if the centurion said, yep, he's dead. And he was the son of God, Pilate. I'd like to think he said that. I don't, I don't know. Question him as to whether he was already dead. You see, they wouldn't let the Jews stay there on the day of preparation. That's why they broke the legs. That's why they did that, to, to hasten the death so that they could be off the cross before sundown on the, when the Sabbath began, and they wouldn't be able to do anything like that. So he comes and he asks, and ascertaining, from, ascertaining this, that Jesus was dead, from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. And that sets the, te- the, the scene for the ladies to come back on Sunday morning. They wanted to see where the tomb was so they could come back and finish the burial process. They didn't embalm, they just wrapped bodies and then poured spices and things over them to, to uh, uh, preserve and add a little bit of dignity to it. They would place it in a, in a tomb, and this was a rock-hewn tomb. This was the, room, the tomb of a rich man, and um, the, the body would be laid in a shelf there. If you ever get to go to Gordon's Calvary, you get to duck into the tomb, and you could see like several shelves. You put the body there, and you, and you leave it there. 
until it has deteriorated only to the bones. And then you come back and you disassemble the bones. You put the bones into a, a box the size of a little toolbox. That's an ossuary. And then you bury the bones and you can put the next person uh, there to dry out until that would be the case. Well, this was a new, never used, never used tomb. Again, fulfilling prophecy. Oh, there's so much more we could do, but we won't. I just want you to let this sink in. Like we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what are we supposed to do with this information? You know, I, I, don't, I haven't read anything that's a command to you or me in the 26 verses that we've read here today. What are we supposed to do? Well, we, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that the way we should handle this person, uh, this information is that we should beg people to be reconciled to God by what Jesus did. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. If you've not taken that step to receive that free gift of the righteousness of which you are totally incapable, then that's what you need to do with this. Be reconciled to God if you've never done that. And you could have sat in churches thousands of times if you've never called out to God for His grace and forgiveness through what Christ and Christ alone did, I beg you, make this the day. I'll leave you with one other passage looking back to this. Remember Peter? His absolutely colossal disaster after Jesus was arrested and he betrayed him three times during that Jewish part of the trial. Good news is, Jesus hunted him down, restored him, and, oh, Peter became quite the mouthpiece. But look how Peter describes this in First Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose... My friend, God is calling you today to respond to His purpose. You have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. You'll still battle sin in this world, the world, the flesh, the devil, it's all against you. But you can be dead to sin because you're alive to God only through what Christ did. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making this known to us. Thank you indeed for sending your Son. As we ponder what he did, all we can do is say, Thank you. We are yours. Have your way with us. Use us for your glory, whatever might be in any heart here today that is contrary to the purpose for which you've called us.
so that we can demonstrate your righteousness to the world. Sweep it away, I pray. Do what you need to do in each of our lives that we could serve you the more effectively, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.